Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for the joy that we have of calling upon the name of Jesus. We know that it is by the new life that you have given us that that word, that name, that glorious character is not only spoken by us, but spoken through us in our lives and through our experiences and as we interface with other people. We thank you that you have made it possible that somehow you speak the name of Jesus as you send us forward. And you make manifest the goodness of Jesus as you bear witness through us. Now Lord, we're gloriously glad. We don't know any other way to acknowledge. We are miraculously glad. We are wonderfully glad to be in your presence this morning. We're asking you to speak to us as only you can. We're expecting wonderful things from you because you are a wonderful God. We pray in this place that there be no room for the lie of the enemy. That any person in this room that's wondering if they're going to make it to the end, any person who's wondering whether or not they're going to make it through the, to the finish line, God, we're asking you in Jesus' name to break the bond of fear and cause us to know without equivocation that we are the sons and daughters of God and that our Father knows how to keep us. Now we ask for a special blessing, O oh Jesus. Blessing on your word, blessing on your people. This is your church. These are your people. This is your word. I'm your servant this morning, God. Your glory, your praise, your adoration is on the table. Everything is in your hands. It's up to you to glorify your name. It's up to you to bless your people. It's up to you to quicken your servant. It's up to you, oh Jesus, and we trust you. Now we ask that we be attentive, that our hearts be open, that our minds be clear, that the name of Jesus be glorified. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It is a joy to be here this morning back home with God's people. Some of y'all don't recognize me because of my beard and stuff. <laughs> my wife wouldn't let me shave it, so here I am. But uh, I thank you so much for having um, your arms open to me, to my wife, to my daughter. We're all here today, and praise God. And, <laughs> and we're just so happy. Of course, I bring you greetings in the name of that great and holy Savior, our God and our King, as well as Summit International School of Ministry. Our school loves you very, very much, and we know that you are the main backbone of our support in every conceivable way. And so we are so utterly grateful to be here, myself and Pastor Nick. We travel as a team nowadays. <laughs> We're pretty much going back to back on a 
pretty regular basis, um, but God is here to do the things that bless his name in our midst. I want to read to you from the Holy Scriptures in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, the 14th verse, and a few verses thereafter. Romans chapter eight, verse 14, going down to about 16. We want to talk about the trials and triumphs of the children of God. And we want to remind ourselves that we are the children of God, that we are going to make it not only through this life, but to rejoice with God forevermore. I have a message, I believe, for any person in this room that might be having some concerns based on some of the struggles of life as to whether or not you're going to make it to the finish line. I guarantee you, God knows how to keep you. And the Spirit of Jesus wants to suggest to you today, wants to stress to you today that you are the sons and daughters of God and that there is no room or reason for fear. Notice what it says in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, I want to remind you, this next text, verse 17, should cause us to see a parallel between the life of Christ and our own. No doubt, Jesus is the unique Son of God. But we are, through what Jesus did for us, adopted into the family of God, therefore sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So in other words, if we share the triumphs and the trials of Christ, it is a witness that we are the sons and daughters of God. It is a witness that we are joint heirs of Christ because as heirs of Christ, we are inheritors of both his trials and his triumphs. Usually when we think about being heirs of Christ, we forget the trials part. But we are heirs of Christ in that we inherit both his trials and his triumphs. Now, you know the story of when Jesus first began to manifest his ministry, when it became clear that he was who he is. Uh, it began with him going, if you remember, to John the Baptist. And John had a baptism of repentance. That is to say, he called all Israel out and he said to them, I know that you call yourself sons of Abraham, but I have something better for you. I know that you identify 
with the lineage of Israel, but I have something even better. There is a way for you to become the sons and daughters of God. And so he began to call them out. And as they began to come out and to acknowledge that they can't say that they are children of Israel based upon the way that they were living. They can't say that they are children of Abraham based upon the way they were living. Remember John said, don't bother saying that because God can raise up from these stones children of Abraham. He was saying, no, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come. You are going to acknowledge your sin. You're going to acknowledge your faults. You're going to acknowledge your frailties. You're going to acknowledge that it's not enough to be born into a biological family. It's not enough to be born of a particular heritage. You must be born again. And so as he began to call them in to repentance, he was saying that there's one who's coming right after me. This one is not going to simply baptize you into repentance, but he is going to immerse you into renewal. He's going to change who you are, not just what you do. And so all of a sudden, they began to come out to John. But the problem is the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't respect what John was doing. Because John was saying, in essence, that the rules and regulations that have been imposed upon you by the Pharisees are obviously not enough to help you. They're not enough to cleanse you. They're not enough to change you. So come to these waters, acknowledge your fault, acknowledge your frailty, acknowledge your sin, and then God will do a wonderful thing in your life through this one who would come after. Now, what's going on in this, in this scenario is people are coming to the conviction of their own sin, but as they began to come to conviction of their own sin, they are also recognizing that they are becoming more and more ostracized and cast away by the society, particularly by the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had power and who had authority. So they're coming to acknowledge, listen, my life is not the way it should be. Uh, but in their breaking their own hearts in the presence of the Lord, they are also having to deal with all of the hardship and the issues that come with acknowledging these truths in a society that would rather sweep those truths under the rug. And then Jesus comes. Now understand, Jesus had absolutely no reason to repent. He had no sin, therefore he had no reason to repent, but he had a reason to be baptized. The reason was he chose to identify with our sin. He chose to identify with our struggle. And so the baptism was a type of the cross, right? First, he was going to be immersed and he was going to be raised again in the waters. And eventually he would be immersed and raised again into the earth. So he was basically saying, this is who I am. And if you would follow me, then you will also share in the same life that I have. Now, if that is the case and we are co-heirs with Christ, then there is a parallel between his life and ours, even though he alone is Lord, even though he alone is one with God in the true and natural sense. But for us, there is this identification where we can say, I know what it is to go into, for instance, a place in my heart and a place in my life where I have to acknowledge that my life has basically been a waste. I have done all kinds of things to change myself. I have uh, crossed off every particular issue and said, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other thing, and yet I know that inside I haven't changed. We've all made that trek 
from a place of whether it be religion or whether it be a secular faith or secular idea or secular philosophy, we've all come from those places to the waters of repentance. And in coming to those places, we've also seen that it's changed the friendships and the relationships in our lives. And oftentimes the people who used to like us don't like us quite so much because they see that we are bearing witness to things that they like to hide under the rug, things that they try to sweep away. And as we begin to acknowledge our sin, they would rather us not speak. So that's why John was baptizing people in the wilderness in the Jordan River, because he had basically been pushed out of society and everybody that came to him had to make a choice. Everybody that came to the waters of repentance, just like us, right? We all had to make a choice when we came to the waters of repentance. We knew that it was going to make it so some people didn't like us. Some people who wanted basically us to be as dull as they did when we started to shine and we were shining a light on ourselves, not necessarily on them, but you know there's some residual light. When you choose to shine a light on yourself, there's residual light that hits the people that are around you. And if they don't want the light shining on them, they don't want you around them. And so this is what's going on. And so now as they're going out, Jesus meets them in those same waters. So that means they don't have to deal with these kinds of things on their own. They don't have to deal with these kinds of things in their own strength. But Jesus meets them in the waters of repentance. It was John that was calling them uh, to the waters of repentance under the authority of God, but it's Jesus who met them in the waters of repentance. And now as Jesus is meeting them in the waters of repentance, remember, he didn't have to be there. He had nothing to repent of, but he was there because they were there. He was there to identify. As he is identifying with them, and that means he's identifying with, but remember the Bible says he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So he's identifying with their pain, identifying with their shame, identifying with the realization that they had, that they had wasted so much time and so much life and so on and so forth. All the regrets that we have when we come to the Lord and all the, pe- the pain and the tears and all those things, he's right there with them. And then all of a sudden something wonderful happens. They're going through this remarkable trial, the trial of their life, right? They, they, they having to acknowledge their own heart. They're dealing with the ostracism of society. Um, they're, they're in this place where they're being immersed in their reality. Jesus meets them there. And all of a sudden, the heavens open. Bible says that God the Father spoke to him. Spoke to him from the Shekinah. And the Bible says that The Holy Spirit lighted upon him, landed on him the way a dove would. And all of a sudden, there is this wonderful voice that says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All of a sudden, they are in this place of acknowledgement of sin, of acknowledgement of failure, acknowledgement of struggle, Acknowledgement of waste. They're being cast out by the people who used to accept them, the people that used to embrace them. They probably feel like, what am I doing here? Immersed in this reality. And then there's a voice that comes. There's a Jesus who meets them. There's a spirit who manifests before them. 
And there is a God who bears witness to them. You understand, Jesus is there because they're there. We are joint heirs with Christ. So what God is saying to the Son there, he is saying to us through the Son. That happened when we first became Christians. And it happened sometimes whenever, as Christians, God calls us to the waters of repentance in another way. Not to be saved again, not to be born again, again. But as people who are saved and as people who are born again, every now and again we become aware of something that needs to change. Of something that we have neglected. And if our hearts are open and if our hearts are right, we're not just sprinkled with repentance. We are immersed into repentance. We are acknowledging to the fullest degree our faults and our frailties. And at times like that, it seems like there is a pharisaical spirit that's saying, I thought you had it all together. I thought you were over that by now. Shouldn't you be at point B at this stage or point C or point D? What are you doing here at the waters of repentance? And it's at times like that, right about the time we are about to be overcome again to bondage, the bondage of fear. I says, maybe I failed one time too many. Maybe I'm not going to make it this time. Maybe the enemy has finally caught up with me. At those times, the heavens open. Hallelujah. At those times, you hear the voice of God. At those times, Jesus meets you in those waters again. And you are reminded that you are the sons and daughters of God. At those times, the Holy Spirit comes upon you again. And everything about you embraces the assurance that you are going to make it. That God is not ashamed of you. You notice he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I am very happy with you. See, that says, I don't just love you, I like you. In you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. I love you and I like you. That's what God says to you as a Christian. Why do we know that? Because we are joint heirs with Christ. If he said it to Christ and you are in Christ, then he says it to you. And you do not have to succumb to the spirit of bondage, which is fear. You don't have to be afraid that God is going to give up on you. You don't have to be afraid that God is tired of you. You don't have to be afraid that God doesn't want to see you at this altar anymore because it's been one time too many. But you can hear the voice of God bearing witness to the reality 
that you are the sons and daughters of God, that you are the beloved of God, that you are pleasing to God. You can sense in a manifest way the presence of the Holy Spirit where you know God is in your life. You know God is in the midst. You know God has not given up on you. You know that God has not turned his back upon you. But that same spirit that came upon Christ now leads him into another battle. Leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And you know the story. Even though we just heard Jesus in those waters of baptism being told, you are my son. God strengthens it. God puts an exclamation point on it. God reinforces that reality. But the minute Jesus is brought into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, what does the devil do? The first thing he says to him is, if you are God's son. See, that's the bondage of fear. Where you know that you're the sons and daughters of God, even in your times of brokenness, even in your times of repentance, even in those times when you're rejected by men and women, you know that you are the sons and daughters of God. And so you go on with your life to do the thing that God has asked you to do. And sometimes he allows you to go through another trial. And the first trial that comes is, are you sure? You're the sons and daughters of God. If you are the son of God, then why are you struggling? Why are you hungry? Why can't you meet this need or that need? Why can't you pay this debt or that debt? Why is it that the rent is due? And why is it that the credit cards are full? And why is it, if you are the sons and daughters of God, then take these stones and make them into bread. You should never, as they say on TV, have to struggle. You should never, as they say in those humongous churches, you should never have to cough, much less sneeze. But that's the voice of the enemy. Always trying to bring people again to the bondage of fear that maybe I'm not a child of God. Maybe God has forgotten me. But the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. And sometimes as Christian people, as I tell my students at Summit all the time, we got to read the Bible for ourselves. You see, that's what Jesus did. You talk about a dynamic, a dynamic devotional. Jesus is, is fighting head, head to head with the enemy, headlong with the adversary. And he takes out his Bible. And he begins to do his devotions. It is written, he says to the enemy. Hallelujah! It is written, he says, 
to the lies of the devil. It is written. You and I know that we are the children of God because it is written. You and I know that we are beloved of God because it is written. You and I know that we are servants of the great God because it is written. You and I know that we have a place in this generation, that we have a cause in this generation, that we have an impact in this generation because it is written. We know that we are going to make it to the end because it is written. We know that we're going to be provided for because it is written. We know that we're going to be strengthened because it is written. We know that there is a call upon our life because it is written. We know that we are the sons and daughters of the great God because it is written. And we don't have to be afraid of anything. We don't have to be ashamed of anything. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wander. We are the children of God. You see, even in the most serious trials, there's triumph at our fingertips. You might say, I don't feel God speaking to me today. You have a Bible? (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 It is written. And when we open our hearts to the word of the Lord, to who God is, to what God says, to what God has promised, to how God has manifested himself to us. When we open ourselves to that reality, we can overcome every lie of the enemy. Particularly those lies that question the fatherhood of God or that question whether we are the sons and daughters of God. And so we realize, yes, there are going to be trials, but there is also triumph. Now Jesus comes down from that battle. And the Bible says he comes down in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And he goes into the synagogue, of course. And he is given the text of scripture to read. And he opens up the scroll. And he finds that portion of scripture that says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he begins to talk about a healing ministry. A ministry that binds broken hearts. That comforts those who mourn. And as he's beginning to realize where he fits in the body, of course he knew by the time he was 12, it was clear that he knew. But you understand what I'm saying? This is a relation to us. As he began to understand how he could help how it can make a difference. Or more specifically, as we begin to realize how we can help and how we can make a difference, sometimes it seems like we're being pushed out. So he begins to read that text and then they try to push him out and throw him off the edge of a cliff. And as people in this room, I know some of you are being pushed out of families. Some pushed out of relationships. Some being just kind of pushed to the side in your workplace. 
some in your classrooms, because you're becoming more and more aware that you're a child of God and more and more aware of where you fit in the body, more and more aware of where you can contribute. And you'll have people trying to push you out, trying to push you off the edge of a cliff. But of course, our war is not against flesh and blood. And what it finally comes down to is the enemy is trying to push us back into bondage and into fear. But you know, there's a wonderful thing about understanding your calling. When you do, you will do just what Jesus did. And the Bible says that Jesus just slipped right through their fingers. They're trying to push him out, but he just slips right through their fingers. The enemy is going to try to push you out. We're not talking flesh and blood now because he, he's got a lot of little pieces that he can use, but ultimately we're not fighting flesh and blood. Remember, whenever David went out to fight against Goliath, Goliath's armor bearer stood in front of Goliath as Goliath went out to meet David. David had five smooth stones. He really didn't need five because he was only going to get one shot. Now, what if David had flung that stone at Goliath's armor bearer? Then the book of Psalms would be much, much shorter than it is. <laughs> but David didn't get caught up in the armor bearer. He saw Goliath behind him. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We see the enemy behind him. We know what the devil's trying to do. We know that we're the children of God. We know that we're called. We know that we have a responsibility to heal, to bind, to comfort. Enemy's going to try to push us out. Whether it be out of your family, out of, out of your, you know, your school, your job, sometimes even the church. You start getting involved in ministry, you start doing what you can to help, and the enemy's trying to give you reasons to leave. Trying to push you out. I know it. There's people in this room right now, I know. The enemy's trying to push you out. But it's time to slip through his fingers. It's time to remember that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. That's the spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit by which we are aware that we are the children of God, convinced that we are the children of God, convinced that we have a reason, that we have a cause. As Esther said, that we are here for a purpose. As David said earlier, when his brothers were trying to figure out what he was doing and so on and so forth, there is a reason. There is a purpose. Everyone in this room has a reason, has a purpose, has a calling, must fulfill that calling. We have a responsibility in this generation. Don't let the devil push you out. Don't let him push you out. You have to slip through his fingers just like Jesus did. Don't you understand? You and I are co-heirs with Christ. That means we can do that. We can slip through every lie. 
everything that tries to sow discord among us, everything that tries to make us feel as though we're inadequate, we're insufficient, that we don't matter, everything that tries to say to you, this is a humongous community, for instance, what difference does it make if I'm here or if I'm not? It makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Every single one of us makes this community. And if there's anyone missing, the whole community suffers. That's just the way it is. Wherever you happen to work, wherever you go to school, wherever you live, you are salt and light there. And when you come to this community, you are salt and light here. Don't let the devil push you out of either of those places. But as a son, as a daughter, recognize that you still have a ministry of healing. When you come to a place like this, you have a ministry of comforting. You have the ministry of taking somebody by the hand and blessing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of reminding them how much they matter. Of reminding them that the church is just not the same if they're not here. Of reminding them of how they impact your life personally and how they impact us as a community. Because in doing so, we shut the mouth of the lion. In doing so, we slip through the hands of the enemy. You understand, brothers and sisters, that as a Christian person, we are joint heirs with Christ. That means we are sons and daughters of God. That means we inherit his triumphs and we inherit his trials. But that also means that we inherit the spirit. And we inherit the voice of the Father. Jesus walks with us in our trials and in our difficulties. I want to pray with you this evening or this afternoon or this morning. I can't tell. When you get my age, you can't tell. <laughs> I'm preaching like 10, 11 hours and stuff like that at the school. I don't know. I don't know what time it is anymore. But I want to tell you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're going to make it. And I want to pray with you. In the same way that Jesus met us and meets us in the waters of repentance, he's going to meet us in the front of this auditorium. He's going to meet us at this altar. Now, if the enemy is going to try to push you out, he's going to try to push you away. Don't let him do it. Slip through his fingers. This is your time. This is your moment to remind yourself that you are the sons and daughters of God, to overcome every kind of fear that says, God may, may love me, but he doesn't like me. I may be his beloved, but he's not pleased with me. God wants to say to you at this altar today, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, and I am very pleased with you. God wants to embrace you. 
He wants you to nestle your head on his bosom for a moment or two. You understand? I know it gets crowded in the city. I know, you know, you want to do the things that you have to do, but don't let the devil push you out. Slip through his fingers. God wants you to nestle your head on his bosom. He wants to say to you what you need to hear. He's going to whisper something into your heart that you need to hear to eradicate anything that even begins to suggest, I feel like quitting. I feel like I can't make it. I feel like I messed up one time too many or anything like that. I feel like I've been hurt one time too many or anything like that. Jesus loves you so, so much. I can feel his love for you. He just wants you to nestle your head in his bosom for a minute. Let him whisper to you. Let's stand together in the house of the Lord. If God is speaking to you, the balcony, main floor, if you're with us online, you're with us in the annex, your ushers will tell you what to do. People that are in this main sanctuary, please come to the front of this auditorium. If God is speaking to you and you just need a break, you just need to lay your head on his bosom and you just need him to whisper something in your ear to remind you that you are a son, you are a daughter, that you are going to make it. You are not going to fail. You're not going to fail. The enemy is not going to hurt you. He's not going to hurt you. He might try to lie to you. He'll lie to you in your dreams. He'll lie to you as you think. He'll lie to you as you walk and talk. He's only lying. He can't hurt you. He cannot hurt you. He cannot hurt you. And God will never turn his back on you. God will never forget you. He loves you. You're inscribed upon the palms of his hand. He loves you. Just come on up as you're walking up. Just in your mind's eye, in your heart, just nestle your head upon his bosom. He's your father. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you tenderly. You are his beloved. You are his beloved. He doesn't just love you. He's pleased with you. Did you know that God likes you? He loves the sound of your voice. He loves your prayers. He loves your songs. He loves it even when you tell him, God, I can't even pray. He loves to hear your voice acknowledging that you need him, that you need his strength, that you need his power, that you need his love. He just wants to love on you today. Can we do that? Can we just let Jesus love on us today? Without him having to feel like he needs to give us marching orders. I believe in marching orders. And sometimes he has to say things to us, words of correction and so on. And I believe in those times as well. But this is not one of those times. This is just a time to love on him and let him love you. Let him love you. Let him take you in his arms as a father, his son, as a father, his daughter. Just let him love you. Just let him love you. You can keep coming. You can keep coming. You can keep coming. It doesn't matter if we fill this part. Just come down the aisles. It's all right. We're family. We're friends. We are together in this. God is in the midst, just like he was there at the waters of baptism. He's in the midst. He's in the midst. You know that, right? You know it. You know he's here to meet you. Now, not everybody's going to be able to fit. So if you want to be here and you can't be here, would you please just nestle your head in his bosom? 
You can do that for wherever you are, but sometimes standing together just says, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one the enemy's trying to lie to. I'm not the only one the enemy's trying to convince that I'm not going to make it. I'm part of a family, and we all go through the same trials and struggles. Why? Because we're joint heirs with Christ. If you're going through those struggles, it's because you matter. If you're going through the battle, it's because you matter. God, God has so pointed you out, the enemy can't sleep on you. That's why you go through what you go through. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Jesus loves you so tenderly, so tenderly. What a glorious, glorious body. What a beautiful church. What a beautiful community. What a beautiful family. God bless you so much. God bless you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we simply love you. And we know that you love us because it is written. We lay our heads upon your bosom. We nestle our hearts in your hands. Oh, sometimes it gets difficult, Lord. Sometimes it gets lonely. Sometimes we wonder. Sometimes we wonder, are we going to make it? Sometimes we feel like Israel, somewhere between the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh. But God, we know, we know, we know that we are your children, Lord. You taught the Israelites to celebrate the sacrifice, to celebrate the Passover, even when they were in Egypt, because they knew that you made a promise, that you are a God who fulfills your promise. You keep your word you keep your people. God, we bow our hearts before you knowing that we belong here. We belong at your feet. We belong in your presence. We belong here. We will not be pushed out. We will slip through the fingers of the enemy, slip through all of his lies, all of his deception. We know that we belong here. We know that there is a ministry of comfort and a ministry of healing that is upon our lives. We know that we are joint heirs with Christ. We are not ashamed to embrace your triumphs or your trials, Jesus. We live with and in and for you. You are the great God. You are the Holy Savior. You are the only begotten of the Father. And we have been joined with you. We have become co-heirs with you. We have become your sons and daughters. God, we bless your holy name. We come against the bondage of fear. We come against every lie of the enemy that would suggest that we are not God's children. We come against that because it is written that we have been given the right to be called the children of God. That we are not born of the flesh. No, we are born of the will of men or of blood. We are born of Jesus. We are born of God. We are the sons and daughters of the great God. And so we thank you for that, O oh Jesus. And now we without shame, without fear, 
but with Holy Ghost boldness, we nestle our head on the bosom of the great God, on the bosom of the creator of the universe who knows us all by name and knows every hair on our head, who knows every concern of our heart. God, we nestle our head upon your bosom. Spirit of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. Oh God, that you embrace each one and cause each one to embrace you fully without reservation, without fear, but knowing that we are fully accepted in the beloved, that we are accepted, that you are God's beloved and we are fully accepted in you, in the beloved. We are joint heirs with Christ. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Bless every heart, every heart in this house, every heart that's with us online, every heart in New Jersey, every heart in the annex, every heart that's with us at Summit, every heart, every heart, every heart that's with us all around the world. God, not only this church, but all the churches that are looking to you, looking to your heart, looking to your word and trusting you. God, in Jesus' name, strengthen everyone. Strengthen everyone. God, let your voice come from the Shekinah. Let your spirit light upon each heart. Let everyone know that there is still such a one as God who still embraces his people who still protects his people, who still keeps his people, who still strengthens his people. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we bless you. We thank you that we've not been left to our own devices, but that we can trust in Jesus, that we are the sons and daughters of God. We are assured of that reality. We will not be lied to this morning. We know that God loves us. We know that we are wrapped in the bosom of God, that we are bound in the bundle of life with our Savior. And so we thank you this morning, oh God. We bless you this morning, oh God. We love you this morning. We thank you for one another. We rejoice in one another, knowing that we are all God's sons, all God's daughters. We are one family. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we bless you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.